Welcome and thank you for joining us here for the Bread of Life, a listener-supported program of the International Mission Church Partnership Evangelism. To learn more, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. In the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 35, the Lord Jesus is paying tribute to the man we know of as John the Baptist, a prophet raised up of God to declare the coming of Jesus as Messiah. In our passage, the Lord refers to John as a burning and shining light, and he also refers to the reception that John's ministry received from the people of Israel at that time. Here are the telling words of Jesus, quote, you were willing for a season to rejoice in his light, end quote. At first glance, that appears to be a satisfactory outcome, but with further attention, you feel the sting of the Lord's words. A prophet of God who spoke God's word was but of seasonal interest to those who first went to him. Something tells me that a seasonal interest in the word of God did not serve the people of Israel well and will not serve us well, either. Now, the Lord Jesus' public ministry was a ministry of probably three or four years, and it's very likely that John the Baptist's public ministry was not any longer. And yet, although his ministry was short, it was for a time very, very popular. We're told in Matthew chapter 3, verse 5, that all of Judea and all of Jerusalem and all of the region around the Jordan River went out to meet him and see him there and to be baptized by him. A rumor had spread throughout that capital city that there was a prophet and that he had risen up and that he was proclaiming the soon coming of the Messiah. And as this rumor began to spread, masses were moved from Jerusalem to travel down to the Jordan River. And when they arrived there, what did they see? Did they see a man dressed in priestly gowns or wearing clerical robes? No. Did they see a man who was wearing the attire of a wealthy man or a businessman? No. They saw a man who was dressed like a mountain man. And what did they hear when they got down to that place? Did they hear a voice that was providing soothing words of comfort and self-application to the cares of life? No. Did they hear the words of someone who was giving them a program of how they could organize their lives and direct their lives to be more successful? No. Did they hear a person who was proclaiming railings against the secular government and the Roman government? No. What they heard was a voice that was thundering across the waters, a voice that told them that they were, the people of Israel were unclean and that they needed to get cleaned up. They needed to repent and turn to the one who was coming for them. They needed to be prepared for the coming of the Savior. I imagine the things that John the Baptist said and the words that he used could have been misconstrued. They could have been misunderstood. A person could have heard them as simply an ethical message or a person could have heard them as a call to just social reform within the nation. I imagine they could have been misinterpreted, but the reason they could be misinterpreted was because John was a person who spoke plainly. He didn't pause to parse every sentence. He didn't stop to qualify every statement that he made. He wasn't a man who crippled the truth with qualifications, a person who became bound up in his ability to communicate because he was too precisely worrying about what individuals might hear him say. He didn't divide up his words into statements like, what I really mean is, or of course when you take into account this, or of course with the exception of, 
Such talk is speech that's broken down into fragments and you could say that the fragment into one part truth and three parts cowardice. But John wasn't afraid of what the people thought. He wasn't afraid of what they heard. He was going to give them all parts truth. And as a result, John was not a delicate individual. He was rather indelicate in the way that he approached people. There was nothing dainty about John the Baptist. When the leaders of Israel came to him for his baptism, he said, You brood of vipers who's warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bring forth fruit meat for repentance. And don't say me that we are Abraham's sons, because I say to you, God can take these stones and raise them up to be Abraham's sons. And to the tax collectors that came to them, he simply said to them, Stop collecting more than the law allows. And to soldiers who came to him, he said, I want you to do no violence and stop complaining about your pay. And to the common man, he said to them, if you've got two coats, I want you to give one coat to the man who doesn't have a coat. And if you have enough food to eat, I want you to give some of your food to the man who doesn't have enough food to eat. And well, John was not delicate. He wasn't dainty with the words that he used. He also wasn't delicate with his doubts. If you remember in Luke chapter 7, verse 19, John is in prison and he sends messengers to Jesus where the Lord Jesus is carrying out his ministry with a message. And basically the message is a simple, straightforward question. It's, are you the Christ or do we look for another? The Lord had a wonderful answer for John at that time, including the encouragement to John that he would be blessed if he would not be offended with what the Lord was letting happen in John's life at that time, John being sequestered away or held away in Herod's prison. But this is John the Baptist. He is a straightforward individual with his words and even with his doubts. He isn't a dainty person. He does not have some refined ministry. He does not cloak himself in any way. John the Baptist is a lion that roared and that people were compelled to listen to as he roared. But whatever John the Baptist's style was, it was just the style of ministry that the nation of Israel was in the mood to hear, at least for a time. His prophetic looks reminded them of the glory days of old. His harsh words still had within them the promise of a coming Messiah. His passion excited in them and raised within them and drew out from them a passion all their own. His sense of anticipation filled them and filled the region around him with a sense of anticipation. And so John the Baptist became all the rage in the nation. He became the man that everyone wanted to hear. He became the man that everyone wanted to be baptized by. He was the one everyone wanted to quote. He was the star that everyone wished to hitch their wagon to. Jesus has an interesting word to describe John the Baptist. In John chapter 5, verse 35, Jesus gives a short synopsis or short statement of a testimony of John the Baptist's ministry. He says of John the Baptist that he was a burning and a shining light. And this burning and this shining was none other than the passionate, pure, powerful, penetrating work of the Holy Spirit, igniting this man before the nation of Israel. John was ablaze with God, and men were drawn to the Jordan River to watch him burn. And by the way, let me suggest to you something. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will discover that he does the exact same thing in your life. He impassions your life. 
He purifies your life with a blaze of holiness. He begins to empower your words in the life that you live, and He makes your life a penetrating force in the world around you. And when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you become a blaze with God. And I guarantee you, when that happens, people will gather around, if for no other reason, just to watch you burn. And that's exactly what happened with John the Baptist. And this is what Jesus Christ says of him. He was a burning and a shining light. But then Jesus makes a comment about the manner in which the people receive this burning and shining light. Jesus says, you were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. Do you know, I might have mentioned to you that in working through this book of John, that we're not obviously doing a systematic study and going verse by verse and studying the whole book. I'd like to do that maybe someday in my life, but I wasn't willing to devote the next three or four years to such a series. And so I thought instead we would just go through it and I would, at each chapter, I would read it as I do when I read the Bible devotionally. And I would just put an asterisk by the passage or verse that stood out in my mind that I wanted to think about more. And when I was reading through this here recently and preparing and thinking of what I might say on this chapter, these words are the words that leapt out before me. You were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. You know, the words sound innocent enough, don't they? But listen to them again and see if there's not an air of criticism on what the Lord is saying. You were for a season. You were for a time willing to rejoice in his light. Mark them in your Bible. Underline them if you would. And then as you mark them, put in the margin these words, something like this. Lord, may it never be said of me that I was for a season willing to rejoice in light. See this? Lord, may this never be your comment over my response to the burning and shining witnesses you put before me, to the blazing Word of God that was inspired by your Holy Spirit, that is illuminated to my heart, that I was willing for a season to rejoice in your light. Jesus Christ is reminding us of something, and this is basically all I want to talk about this morning. He is reminding us, and you might make this as your point, that there are some kinds of faith or spiritual enthusiasm that are temporary, that run the course and you're over with them. There are some kinds of faith or spiritual moments of enthusiasm that are simply passing fads of the population or for the individual. Churches and pastors should be careful not to point out to the crowds that surround their ministries as notations of success because, well, sometimes the numbers just don't add up. They are not often what you think they are. Oftentimes they are nothing more than simply seasonal events. Now, what is the cause of this seasonal rejoicing in the light? What is it that can take place or transpire that a person can for a time rejoice or embrace the light for but a season? It's noteworthy to me that when Jesus Christ said these words, he's making a statement that they have in essence forgotten John. 
And he's reminding them of him. And he's reminding them that though they have forgotten him, he hasn't. But what is it that causes a truth to become passé? Or something that once excited us. Something that once drew from us a passionate response. Something that once we thought would change our lives forever has become almost forgotten. We, for a season, rejoiced in it. Well, I have about five things, and these all may be reasons why this spiritual movement of God becomes a temporary moment, a temporary period of spiritual interest. And you might mark them, and you might consider them, because they may help you from ever having to write or say of any one thing of any great truth. I rejoiced in it, but for a season. The first one is, I think, somewhat obvious. I think that sometimes these things are temporary passages because they're the product only of mass hysteria. And I think that's somewhat of what was going on in Jerusalem in this time. Everybody heard about what John was doing and people started going down in a trickle and then people saw people going down in a trickle and they joined them and so the trickle became a little minor flood and then people wondered where this minor flood was leading to and other people joined it and it became a little bit greater flood and before long the whole tide of the humanity was rushing down to see what happened around the Jordan. I hope you can join us in our next broadcast to consider the dangers of a temporary faith if you can't, let me encourage you to go to the website, breadoflifeboise.org. There you'll find a link to the audio archive of this radio program. There also you can learn about how you can support this radio ministry and the ministries that surround it locally and around the world. Well, until we meet again before God's Word, may God bless you.